25 tonight, Genesis chapter 25. And I want to look at uh, Esau for just a little bit tonight out of Genesis chapter number 25. All right, give me just a second to get there, and we'll look at verse number 19 together. Genesis 25, pick it up in verse number 19. Most of you know the story about Jacob and Esau and their birth. Um, kind of an interesting twins that were born, struggle going on in the womb. Rebecca was asking the Lord, why is this happening? God said, it's because you have two nations inside of you. You have the Edomites and the Israelites uh, inside your womb. And again, uh, interesting story when you look at the two of these guys. Uh, Jacob, uh, of course, his name means supplanter. He was a deceiver. Of course, he did that a lot of, most, several times in his life, and God rewarded him accordingly. The Bible says he was a plain man, dwelling in tents. There was favoritism in the family. Uh, Jacob, uh, Isaac favored Jacob, and I'm sorry, <laughs> Isaac favored uh, Esau, and of course Jacob was favored by his mother, Rebecca. And just an interesting family story, there's things that we can learn from that. And again, a lot of lessons. We won't look, look at those really tonight, except for one lesson, and I wanna look at this story of Esau selling his birthright tonight. But let's look at it in verse number 19, Genesis 25, verse 19, and there are, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to, to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. And remember now in verse number 20, it says he was 40. In the last phrase of verse 26, it says, and Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. Think about that. He prayed for 20 years that God would give his wife a child and God waited 20 years. Another, again, another lesson. Sometimes we think the Lord has to do things on our timeline. He doesn't always do that. And uh, we get impatient, but he prayed for 20 years for his wife to have a child. Verse 21 again, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah, his wife, conceived and the children struggled together within her and she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, uh, church family, think a couple, a couple more thoughts, I guess, I want you to think about is Rebecca prayed and got an answer from God. You know, sometimes we think, you know, the preacher has to pray for us or my husband has to pray or, you know, God only answers certain types of people. Can I tell you something? God answers if you'll call. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And I think we should have other people pray for us, but I want to tell you the first person ought to pray is you. And uh, Rebecca prayed. And, you know, Rebecca, Rebecca made a major mistake when she favored showed favoritism in the home. And, you know, we as parents, uh, God makes all of our children different. Amen? Some are retarded. God makes them all different. But, but can I tell you, uh, we ought to love them all. Amen? And uh, we, we got to be careful as parents that we don't show favoritism. But she did. And, you know, her favoritism, you ever thought about this? She lied. Uh, she told her son to lie. So remember, you know the story about stealing the blessing. She told uh, Jacob to lie. Did you know that when, when that happened, Jacob had to leave? She never saw him again. Never saw him again. You know, there's consequences to uh, doing wrong. And of course, it was wrong for her to show favoritism and tell her. And you know, and the other thing that's interesting is before she was born, God himself told her, hey, listen, the elder is going to serve the younger. But she got impatient and she didn't let God do what he got. Hey, church family, it was never right for Jacob to lie to his father and steal. That wasn't right. Now, God would have made it happen just like he wanted it to happen, but they did their own thing, all right? And they paid the price for it. So she knew uh, from the womb that Jacob would be the one that God would bless. But look at verse number 24 now. 
It says, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came out, out his brother, came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years old uh, when he bare them. Now our story tonight, our message tonight will come from verse 27 through 34. I want to talk about the birthright for just a few moments. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord's blessing again. Father, thank you again for loving us. Thank you for giving us the, the Bible. Lord, I ask you to please help your words as they are alive. Help them, Father, become alive to us. And uh, Lord, speak to us in a real way. Lord, if there be distractions tonight, help our mind and focus to be on thee. Lord, if there's a burden or something that someone's thinking about that would take away from the service tonight, would you again calm that? Take it away. Help us, Father, to think about you and what you have for us tonight. And Lord, uh, whatever requests that we might have, Lord, even during this service while the message is being preached, may we pray and bring them to you. Thank you again for hearing and answering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, church, the thought tonight I want to preach is on the birthright for just a few moments. And I'm going to read it. Most of you know it. But let me just say a few words before we read it. I want you to understand the birthright. Um, the birthright was, was given to the firstborn. And again, I won't go back to other passages probably. But basically, if I can illustrate it this way, a birthright means that whoever was the eldest got two portions. All right, So if there were three children, when it came time for the family inheritance, they would divide it by four uh, instead of three, if there were three children, they would divide it by four, and the eldest would get two parts. They would receive their, if there were 10 children, they would divide it by 11 because the eldest would get an extra portion. That was the birthright as far as the physical or if I can say the financial side of things. All right, and, uh, and, and, but that was really a minor thing when it comes to the birthright because the birthright was a spiritual thing. When it came to Esau and Jacob, the birthright was really the position that the eldest or the firstborn would take when mom and dad was gone. In other words, they would be the spiritual leader. They would be the ones that would call the shots. They'd be the ones that would make the decisions. There was a lot to the birthright. Um, the birthright, if I can read a couple things to you here, it gave authority and superiority over the rest of the family. The birthright was the double portion on the paternal inheritance. The birthright put, was the, put the person in next to honor from the parents, as far as to the parents. There, there was a lot to this birthright. It was not just a small thing. Oh, he's not going to get two portions. He's just going to get one. It wasn't just simply that. It, there was much to this birthright. It was the spiritual significance um, as far as the home is being consecrated to God. Now, I'm not taking you there, but Exodus 22, 29 talks about the birthright going to the firstborn. So the importance of the birthright was more than just money. Now, with all of that said tonight, let's look at the story. It's a short one. Look at your Bible again. Genesis 25, verse number 27. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob's sod pottage means boiled pottage soup. He sod pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Well, that sounds like two brothers, doesn't it? Your brother's about to die, and you're asking him to pay for the soup, or he's just going to sit there and die, all right? I mean, you can tell these two brothers loved each other. All right, so I was joking. Verse 31, And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob 
gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, lentil being a bean, uh, pottage, so bean soup basically, pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, can I tell you, you've been born into a family also, trying to make the spiritual application tonight for all of us, this earthly story that is given to us. What's the, what, what can we learn from this story? Esau was the one that was supposed to receive the family inheritance, the family position, because of being the firstborn. All right, he was part of that. It was his birthright. It was his birthright in our family situation. Sharon would be the one as far as being the firstborn. There's a birthright involved, all right? Um, if the Lord allows my wife to, and I to leave anything in this world, um, we will divide it by eight in our family. I don't, I'm not going to look at the eight children we have and say, okay, you know, you're a one, you're a two, you're a one, you're a two. All the ones get something, all the twos don't get anything, okay? We're not going to do it that way, all right? We're, uh, we're also not going to do it, okay, you're the one that scratches my back, so I'm going to scratch yours, all right? This is just me speaking. You can do whatever you want as far as your children. Some of you, you've figured out which ones you love the most and which ones you don't, but I just think that that went over well. But, um, but I just... I feel like that, again, your pastor speaking today, I got to be careful when I'm telling you something from the word of God, I can be very dogmatic about it. Um, but, you know, when it comes to our children, I, I, my little experience of pastoring people is that I see that what happens is when people get old, what happens is they reward wickedness to a degree. I'm talking about our children. And I, so in other words, I've seen families where they've had lost family members and they've had saved family members and they think that they need to reward their lost families. And listen, I'm gonna tell you something. If I'm a Christian and my kids are lost, I'm not leaving my money so they go spend it on worldly things, okay? Now, all of our children are gonna make decisions that are not necessarily what we would decide, but at the same token, whatever God's blessed you with, it, the, you know, um, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. In other words, God gives us things that we can pass on to our children. Now, you children, you ought not to be unappreciative of what your, your mom and dad leave you when it comes to the financial side of things, because they're giving you something worth more than money by giving you a Christian education, by giving you, teaching you salvation, by putting, keeping you in church, etc. But when it comes to our children, we're going to leave things that are behind. And, and in my opinion, as far as our children, um, you know, you ought to put, give God his 10% even after you die, all right? If you got a will, make sure you put, hey, listen, I want 10% to go to the Lord, uh, tithe on that, and then, you know, give to your children, all right? Give to, let that, that be a blessing, okay? But when it comes to our family, we're going to do the same thing as far as our children. But the birthright would have been, as far as a scriptural thing, is that Sharon, the oldest, would have gotten a, a second portion, would have gotten two portions, not just one. So, again, it was a financial blessing. It was not only a financial blessing, it was a spiritual blessing. Now, church, we're born into the family of God. If you're saved tonight, you're a Christian, you're a child of God. You have a birthright. Now, Jesus being the firstborn, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We are joint heirs with Christ. We have received the inheritance. The earnest of our inheritance was the Holy Spirit of God. When you got saved, you got the first portion of your inheritance. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Now, can I tell you, we have a birthright as a Christian of what God has given to us in our life. He's given us spiritual things. He has not given us temporal things. He's given us eternal things. He's not given us things to satisfy this world. That's why he said in Colossians, he said, set your affection on things above, Colossians 3, 2, and not on things on this earth, all right? Because I'm not supposed to be living for the temporal. I'm supposed to be living for the eternal, all right? Somebody say amen, all right? 
I'm getting to the message tonight. I'm sorry to belabor the point tonight. But as a Christian, I've been given some things that are eternal, all right? Salvation is eternal. Would you agree with that? Say amen. amen. All right? The word of God is forever settled in heaven. The word of God is eternal. Would you agree with that? Amen. All right? So God's given me some things that are of a spiritual nature that are eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. He dwells inside of me, okay? It's my birthright. I should not take lightly my salvation. I should not take lightly the word of God. I should not take lightly when it comes to the spiritual gifts or the spirit-filledness that God allows us to have in our Christian life. But Esau, the Bible says several things about this, but the reason he did not see the importance about his birthright, there are three things mentioned in this passage, and I think they're the same three reasons that we take lightly our spirituality and the blessings that God has given us in our life. All right, now, fo follow the thought tonight. Why did Esau sell something that was so important? Why did he sell his birthright? Why is it that a young person can be raised in church all of his life and then all of a sudden when he gets to that age, magical age, they think when they're 18 there's something, but when they get to that magical age that now I can just leave it all. I want to tell you what the problem is. They're selling their birthright. Church, right. I mean, what a blessing it is to be born into a Christian family. What a blessing it is to be able to have a Christian education. Because somebody pays the price for that to happen and God's the one that gave it to you. It's a gift of God. And can I tell you, you ought not just to sell your birthright. You ought not to sell what you were born with. Some of you kids, this is the only church you've ever known. You know, you, you are, many of you in here are second generation Christians, which means your mom and God, dad got saved and they had to pay the price. Your mom and dad had to put up with lost family members that thought they were members of a cult. Your mom and dad, first generation Christian, they had to pay the price by not going to all the family functions, though they love their family, they're not going to be around all the worldliness. Okay, somebody paid the price. You might be the first generation Christian in here and my hat is off to you and praise the Lord. You are the one paying the price for your children to be a second generation Christian that get to be around saved people that are being protected from the vices of the world and a host of other blessings that come along with that. Now, young people, listen tonight. You ought to thank God every day that you were raised in a Christian home. You ought to thank God every day that God saved your soul from hell. You ought to thank God every day for the church that God puts you in because this is God's will for your life. And whatever God, church God puts you in, and that's God's will for your life, the best church you could be in because that's the will for God, of God for you. Amen. So you ought to thank God for that. But, and when I say a birthright, it's really a gift from God. But to a degree, spiritually speaking, it's a birthright in the sense that I was chosen by God. I did not sit in that church service in the fourth row back on that March of 1980 and all of a sudden just got saved because I chose to get saved. The Holy Spirit of God drew me, which means God chose me. We believe in election, but and we believe in predestination in the sense that God knows that who is going to be saved and when they're going to be saved because God calls us. In other words, he, he, um, the Bible says we're all without excuse as far as drawing us and the person whosoever will, whosoever will. There, there's a will that I have to decide whether I'm going to receive the Lord Jesus Christ or not. Listen to me, church family. We have got to be careful that we do not become Calvinistic, which comes from John Calvin, this idea of, well, whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved. We don't do anything about it. Predestination means God already knows who's going to get saved. We don't know. So why are we putting a door hanger on every door in Lawrence and hopefully the surrounding cities? There's a reason for that. It's because whosoever will, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be. Okay, so there's a choice. They started doing that door hanger thing and a lady called in and talked to Joy on the phone and says, hey, listen, this is my address. Don't ever come to my house again. I don't want to ever see that. And I want to tell you something. Joy did not cuss her. You didn't cuss her out on the phone, did you? Okay. Joy did not cuss her out on the phone. You know what Joy said? 
Joyce said, we're very, very sorry. We didn't mean to do that. You know why? Because she has a choice. That lady has a choice whether she's going to believe what the scriptures say on that door hanger. All right? God loves her. God wants her to be saved. But she still has a choice. Now, church family, tonight, can I just remind us that as, as Christians, if you're a second generation, third generation, you have a birthright in the sense that now that you're a Christian, you ought not just to sell it. There's a bunch of people who sell what they've been given. And as Naboth said, there's some things that are not for sale. But tonight, I want to preach on it's your birthright. Let me just go ahead and point out a couple things with you tonight. Look at verse number 25 again, and I want you to notice it's mentioned twice here. I'm sorry, verse 29, forgive me, verse 29. Talking about the birthright, in verse number 29 it says this, and Jacob sod pottage, means he boiled soup, and sod pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was, what's the last word? Verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, that same red pottage, for I am what? Faint. Church, I mean, I think a lot of times people give in and throw away the spiritual life that God has given them because they get faint. Now, Proverbs 24, I think it's verse number 10. It says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You know, you need to continually be building your strength up spiritually so you don't become faint spiritually. You know, sometimes we spout off and we lose our temper with one another and it's only because we're faint. And sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's spiritual. In this particular story about Esau, it was a physical tiredness in his life that caused him to make a wrong decision. When Satan came against Job, he attacked Job after he put boils on the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And when he did that, and Job is faint, then came Satan to attack, to get Job to curse God. Now, can I tell you, physically and spiritually, you need to be careful that you're not faint because that's what causes a person to say, I don't care about the birthright. I don't care what, about, I don't care what I've been given. I don't care that I was raised in a Christian home. I don't care that I got saved at an early age. I don't care that I, that I have a Bible that is uh, forever settled in heaven but it's a Bible that is quick and powerful and sharp. I don't care. You know what? That because we get physically tired and sometimes spiritually tired in our Christian life. Hey, listen, we, sometimes people make wrong decisions when they're sick or when they're tired, and that's why you've got to get counsel. That's why you, you shouldn't make decisions where we call it reacting to something instead of acting upon something is because you're going through a physical turmoil in, in their life. You know, Brother Mai has been in the hospital 25 days after being told four he could make a bad decision right now. Now, Brother Mai, he's very careful not to make any decision. If he, he always calls for counsel and he always asks, hey, pastor. And by the way, Brother Mai is older than his pastor, but Brother Mai knows that he needs counsel just like anybody else needs counsel. Hey, can I tell you, we've got to be careful that we don't just throw away the spiritual birthright that God has given us in his word and in salvation and in the spirit of God. We've got to be careful that we don't just get rid of that birthright because we're faint. Satan's going to try to get you when you're tired. Satan's going to try to get you when you're spiritually weak as a Christian. Church family, we eat physically every day and our physical food really determines whether or not we have strength. The Bible talks about how that bread gives a person strength and, and that's why we eat, all right? How many is thankful that, you, that we eat, all right? You glad that you eat? How many is hungry right now? Anybody hungry right now, all right? How many of you, you're not hungry? Raise your hand tonight, all right? We're glad. I'm hungry. Sorry that you're not hungry, all right? How many could go for a piece of pizza right now? How about a Big Mac right now, all right? 
How about, a, now I like from Taco Bell, the nacho cheese taco, the Dorito taco, nacho cheese. I like a little bit of sour cream, meat, lettuce. And you say, Pastor, why are you talking about food? I'm hungry, leave me alone, all right, I'm hungry, all right? You know, uh, food gives us that strength uh, to go on. You know, when uh, uh, Saul told all of his army, he said, listen, I don't want you to eat anything. If you eat anything until we win this battle, you're gonna die. Well, his son Jonathan didn't hear that. Remember the story? Jonathan's going through there. He sees some honey and a honeycomb. He takes his rod, puts his rod into it, and he tastes it. And one of the men said, hey, what did you do? You weren't supposed to eat anything. You know what, you know what Jonathan said? Jonathan said, if my father would not made such a hasty oath, we could have had a greater victory today because can you see how I am enlightened because of eating. Now, can I tell you, physically, we eat for strength. And I'm telling you that when you go without reading your Bible and you go without spending time in prayer and you go without spiritual things, you become weak whether you know it or not. I find that the things that I say that I wish I wouldn't say happen on days when I didn't have enough time to read my Bible. I find that when the devil orchestrates an attack, it's usually when things are really, really busy. Can I tell you that when it comes to our birthright and the spiritual things that God has given us, we have to be careful that we do not become faint, whether it's a physical or spiritual, because if we're not careful, we'll just let it go. We'll just let it go. Hey, young, young person, it's not by accident you were born in the family you were born. It's not by accident you're coming to this particular church, whether you're a member of 18 or older or not, but you're, you're, you're here on purpose. Can I tell you, you should be careful because it's your birthright. It's your birthright. In a spiritual sense, God is the one that gave you what you have. So why did he sell Esau? Why did he sell what was given to him by his father? I want to tell you why he sold it. Because he got to a place where he was faint. Second thing, I want you to see something else. Now, the, other, the next one is not in Genesis. It's actually in Hebrews. Flip over to Hebrews. I mean, I want you to see what it says here. Hebrews chapter number 12. Why did he sell his birthright? He sold his birthright, number one, because he was faint. Why, does, why do Christians sell their spiritual birthright, what God's given them? It's because they're faint. But look at Hebrews 12. Look at verse number 16 with me. While you're turning there, I'll just read verse 15. Let, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, let, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You'll notice at the end of verse 15, there's just a semicolon. He's going to illustrate this root of bitterness, and he's going to use Esau as the illustration in verse number 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as who? Now, remember what he called him, fornicator and profane person. Now, the word profane there means heathenish, heathenish or wicked. Lest there be any fornicator or profane wicked person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now, when you look at uh, Esau, Esau and uh, Jacob, they were different. Jacob was a plain man. Esau was a hunter. Now, to me, the best way to illustrate this is Esau was the guy that was way out in the open, very athletic, uh, if you want to say talented. I mean, he was an outdoors type of person. And then you had Jacob, kind of, a, the Bible uses the word plain. There was, no, there was no pizzazz to him. Indoor, he was not super, super talkative. He, he was just that plain man. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you you're wicked because you're outgoing and you're, you're spiritual because you're an introvert. That's not what the Bible's teaching here. But the problem with Esau was, is he had too much of the world. And we know that from the book of Hebrews because the Bible calls him a wicked, profane uh, fornicator. All right? If you read the history on Esau, he already had two wives he wasn't supposed to have. And when he found out that his parents didn't approve, he went married two more heathenish, heathen, he, wicked women. 
Now, all of that said is, is that why did he sell his birthright? Well, according to Hebrews chapter 12, because he was a profane person, he sold the birthright for a morsel of bread. What was the God trying to teach us there? The reason he sold the birthright, that spiritual as well as physical gift that was given to him, is because he was not right. He was a profane person. He was a wicked person. Now, can I tell you, there's a lot of Christians in here that you've been blessed by God, spiritually speaking. God's given you a good wife. Somebody should say amen. Your wife's saved. Well, she doesn't do this and she doesn't do that. Your wife teaches your children spiritual things. Your wife is a, is a, a spiritual helpmeet. And there are no perfect spouses, but thank God you got a woman that's saved. Be not unequally yoked together. And he talks about how light and darkness don't go together. And I want to tell you something. Try being married to a lost person. You know, sometimes we, we compare our, our spouse to another Christian. Try comparing your spouse to a lost person. You're going to find out, thank God she's saved. Thank God she's on her way to heaven. Thank, thank God she's training our children. And, and, and again, it might, uh, she or he might not be meeting the expectation you have in life. But you ought to thank God for the spouse you have. But here you have Esau, and the reason he was just let go of those spiritual things that he had in his life, he, it was not important to him. He didn't mind selling it. It's because of his own heart. You know, I, I meet young people time. You, you can talk to your blue in the face. They could care less. You know why? Because of their heart. Because of their heart. They're, they're profane, they're wicked. All of that junk that they're putting inside of them through the eye gate and the ear gate, all of that junk they're putting inside of them, it's not a big deal. And the reason it's not a big deal because I have no heart for the things of God. I have no heart for the, the, the blessings of God. I have no heart for God's direction in my life. And the reason is they're willing to sell their birthright where they've been born into a Christian family, they've been part of a good church, and they've had God's direction in their life. But because of what they're putting in, which is wickedness, they have no desire or appetite for spiritual things in their life. Why, what, why in the world did Esau sell the birthright that made him as the firstborn to get a double portion and made him the firstborn to be the mediator, and I use that term lightly, but the mediator between God and the family, just like God spoke to Isaac and Isaac spoke to his children, Esau was the next one after the parents were to be out of the way to where he'd be the mediator between God and the family. Why would he, just, why would he get rid of something so spiritual and so, so important? I want to tell you it's because, number one, he was faint, but number two, because he was a profane person. Hey, young people, you ought to do everything you can to make sure you stay clean so you don't lose the birthright, the spiritual birthright that's been handed down to you by God through your parents and through others. Something else, one last thing. To go back to Genesis, I want to show you one more thing here. It's kind of interesting. Why did he get rid of the birthright? Because he was faint, because he was profane. He was wicked and ungodly. But look at the last thing. Genesis 20, chapter 25, look at verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage. Verse 34, last verse. It says, then Jacob gave Esau pottage, or bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Now, I want you to look at the last phrase in verse number 34. Last phrase, verse number 34. In fact, let's just read it together. Ready? Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, church family, the word despised there means to disesteem. Now think, think this through for a second here. The Bible says, thus Esau despised his birthright. When I read that in the past, I thought despised meant that he felt bad that he sold it. That's not what it means. The word despised means to disesteem. In other words, to take lightly. 
to not see the importance of. The reason he sold his birthright is he never saw the importance of the birthright, so that's why it didn't mean anything. In fact, the previous two, two or three verses prior to that, he said to, to Jacob, what profit does my birthright do me anyway? He, he disesteemed it. He did not see the importance of the birthright. And I want to tell you that we oftentimes in our spiritual life, we do not run after God, look to God, seek God, because we don't see the importance of it. It's not really a big deal. It doesn't really matter. Hey, you're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ one day, and it really is going to matter. You're going to see your offspring go wayward, and it's going to be your fault to a degree. It's going to be your fault because you disesteem the things of God. God ought to be the most important thing in your life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. You ought to say, hey, listen, God's the most important thing in my life, and I want that to rub off on my children because God ought to be the most important thing in their life. So can I tell you why he sold the birthright? I'm, I'm done. Follow me now. I want to tell you why he, he sold the birthright, which was pretty important both spiritually and financially and even to a degree physically. What made it so important? It was important because he was going to be the next from the parent. Notice when the parent passes away, he was the, the next, if I can say to a degree, a patriarch to the family. He was going to be the next leader, the next influence. But he sold it. Oh, I'm going to die. I've been out in the field. I haven't eaten. Oh, that smells so good. I'd like to have some of that soup. Would you give me some soup? Jacob says, no, I'm going to give you some soup unless you buy it. I don't, I don't have any money. I'm about to die. What am I going to pay for it with? Uh, sell me the birthright. Go, I don't, there's no profit in it. Go ahead. He was faint. He was tired. Go ahead. He had a wicked heart. He, 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 he wasn't a clean person. He, he was wicked. He, he didn't have, he see the desire. And then he disesteemed it. It's not really a big deal. You know what? We've got a lot of young people that the problem is is they start smelling the things of the world and to get, to, to get their flesh to be gratified, this fleshly gratification, just like Esau eating that bowl of soup, it gratified his flesh, and that was why he was willing to sell something that was spiritual. We have a lot of Christians that your, our self-gratification of worldly things is more important to us than what God's given us. Amen. We take for granted. It is a big deal. I'm thankful that I'm saved tonight. I'm thankful that the Lord let me grow up in a Christian home. I'm thankful the Lord let, he let me be a preacher's kid. I'm thankful for Christian education. I'm thankful for all the 10,000 instructors that people have invested in my life. I'm thankful for the power of the word of God of what God's word does in my life on a regular basis. I'm thankful for God's mercy in my life that he doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm thankful. You know, there's a lot of people, both pastor as well as member, that they throw away what God's given to them. And sometimes it's just because they're faint. And it is physical and it is spiritual. Sometimes it's just they're sick and tired. And because of the sick and tired, they make a bad decision. Sometimes it's because they're spiritually weak. They're not spending time with God. And they're so because they're weak spiritually. And in some cases, it's because they, they're, they're so involved with the world that they could care less about spiritual things because they're so involved in worldly things. I was talking with uh, Kyle. Him and I are doing Bible studies still together. And, I was talking with him and we were actually, we just started the book of Proverbs because we finished the book of Revelation. So we started the book of Proverbs. And, you know, it's interesting when wisdom is talking to people that it names those three people. Um, wisdom crieth without, sheddeth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. 
in the openings of the gates in the city, shouted her words, saying, and of course we think what she's going to say is next, but that's not what she's speaking. She tells who she's speaking to, um, uh, saying, uh, how long ye simple ones will ye love simplicity, and the scorner delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Three people are mentioned, the simple, the scorner, the fool. The simple person is a young person, because obviously I don't have time to teach it, but that's what it's talking about. The simple person is a person who's easily alert, easily deceived. And a simple person is just a matter of they just don't know. The scorner is the extreme critic. The scorner is the person who knows, but you are not going to tell them what to do. They're the scorner. They're going to do their own thing no matter what you say. That's the scorner. But wisdom talks to a third person. And it's funny because when Kyle saw the word, he spoke right up. Well, the fool that said in his heart, there is no God. But the thing about the fool is, is the fool is this kind of guy. He just doesn't care. It doesn't really matter. That, that woman that called in and said, don't put another one of those on my door, here's my address, that's a scorner. That's being scornful. You know what a fool does? A fool takes that door hanger, looks at it, hope, heaven, ha. Ah. They just don't care. You know what I find out? I find out that sometimes there's Christians who act like fools. It's not really a big deal. Reading your Bible, pa pastor, there's a lot of people who don't read their Bible and they're okay. You know what you're doing? You're being foolish because you're just saying it really doesn't matter. You're disesteeming your birthright. Disesteeming. Hey, I want to tell you something tonight. You are here on a Sunday night because you have a birthright and God's giving you a bunch of spiritual things. Don't allow you being tired. Don't allow you being not right with God and being worldly. And don't allow your attitude if it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. Don't allow those things to cause you to sell your birthright. You've, given, you've been given something very special starting with salvation. Secondly, the word of God. Thirdly, a Holy Spirit, spiritual, being spirit-filled, having the Holy Spirit's direction. We've been given a lot of spiritual things in our life and I'm only naming three and there's a whole lot more of the things that God's giving us. Don't sell the birthright, it's your birthright. It's your birthright. 